Can you see me? No, but we can hear you. We are live. This episode is going to be 30 minutes. Welcome to the Kia Show, everybody. My name is Kira. We got my special guest, Dejanae, my sister, my ace, my day one. Now, we only got 30 minutes, child, so. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on, and we will talk about something new. So today, um, I would like for us to talk about the Black experience with college. So do you want to go first to talk about your experience? Or do you want me to go first and talk about my experience? Um, this is your show, ma'am, so it's up to you. All right. So for me, you guys, just a little bit about me. We are both from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I moved when I was, how old was I, age about 10, 11? Yep, 10. Yeah, when I was about 10 years old, I relocated to Las Vegas, Nevada um, until I was 22. Um, at 22, I relocated and moved to Houston, Texas. So my college experience in Vegas was very frustrating um, because I feel like colleges are not very organized. I feel like um, the region of the country that you're in also has a lot to do with your experience with college because if, if you're in a predominantly uh, Anglo area and you're a ethnic student, Going to an Anglo college, I feel like that can be problematic because you really don't have a group of people that you can identify with. You may not have certain social clubs and things that are sensitive to whatever your experience is in America. And to me, that's what I went through, which was a problem. Um, one of my friends, her name is Casey. We went to college together and we promised ourselves that we would graduate together um, for the sake of time. I'm just going to go ahead and say that did not happen. Um, I went to school originally for business. I realized when I was literally four classes away from graduation that I was wasting my time because I did not want to be in Las Vegas forever. I didn't want to be there long term. I knew I wanted to move to either D.C., Houston or Atlanta um, because I wanted to be around my own people and I knew that I wasn't going to get that in Vegas, at least not in the time frame that I wanted it. So I did not graduate in Las Vegas. I ended up moving. And when I moved to Houston, um, I got into college right away. And to me, Houston had a better collegiate experience because there's a million colleges in Texas. There's HBCUs, there's PWIs, online colleges, whatever you're looking for, basically, you can find here anything from general education to um, rocket science, literally, NASA is here. So for me, I feel like college is an experience. It's emotionally draining. Um, it's, it's what you make of it. But I feel like I took my education more seriously once I got to a place where I was around people that looked like me. Um, so me realizing that business was not the degree path that I wanted pushed me into cybersecurity. And I love cybersecurity. I love computers. I like hacking. I like anything that has to do with security. But in, in Vegas, I didn't even have a counselor that went over my degree field choices with me. I just took what I felt would get me in a field where I can make some money and I wasn't happy. I wasn't passionate about what I had going on. And so 
Another issue with colleges, and I think my sister will agree with me on this, is that colleges lure you in, but they don't talk to you about debt. They don't talk to you about housing. They don't talk to you about counseling resources and the other things that students need in order to be successful. If you have a sick parent, uh, or if you're someone that's homeless, a, a ward of the state, something like that. If you grew up basically raising yourself because your parents were not around for whatever reason, colleges don't talk to you about the type of resources that may be available to you, the type of grants and things you can get, how you can file independently in certain circumstances. If you have a child or daycare, they don't express those types of things. And it took for me to go back to college in my early 20s and mid-20s for me to get this information. I didn't even know that we could file an independent status if we were going to college and we had a child. Yeah. Nobody tells you that. They just tell you, go to school, go to school, go to school, get a job and live the American dream, a white picket fence with a dog and a spouse. Nobody tells you that you're going to need $60,000 a year if you're going to some predominant school. Nobody tells you that you may be in student loan debt for the rest of your life because you want that piece of paper. Your your degree may end up costing you more in the long run than the degree is even worth. And I feel that, to me, I feel like that is predatory. It is. It really is. Because you're telling 18 to 20-year-old kids who half their parents don't know anything about finance, half of them don't have the type of savings that they need to accomplish. Or they might be foreign exchange students. Exactly. Even foreign exchange students or out-of-state students, they have to come up with so much money just to be able to afford the tuition. And it's like, you don't have the money as is in the savings for college, which means you can't afford tuition. You need financial aid. Well, your financial aid is only going to cover but so much. But so much. And then absolutely. if you don't get a refund, then how else are you expected to take care of other things? Right. When all you've known for for mostly your whole life is go to school, go to school, go to school, you're thinking that's the only thing you do in college is just go to school. Right. But then once life hits you, yes. once you get a bill in the mail that says if you don't pay this bill, then you're going to get kicked out of school. Absolutely. Or if you can't afford this $300, $400 textbook, you're going to get kicked out. And that's well, another that's thing. It's time for you to go off campus. That's another thing that we need to discuss. Absolutely. Absolutely. And right. you have to sign yourself to this contract, which is also tied to your credit score. So not only did we hit you for these student loans, not only did we hit you right. for the private loan for you to be able to afford that car or your tuition, your books, your anything, now we got to hit your credit for rent. Absolutely. And you're getting into an apartment at 18, 19 years old. Nobody tells you that your first apartment, you got to make three times the rent just so you can be able to afford the apartment. Right. You have to have a savings of at least three months to be able to pay your rent up. No one tells you that Nobody you're tells you that, right. 12 months and you cannot get out of it. Right. It does not matter what the situation is unless it is um, where the the property is in the wrong. But other than that, you're stuck in your lease. No one tells you if you don't pay rent on time that they won't get you. Right. 
and you're learning all of this while you're trying to take on your rigorous course load. And you're just like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? Some of these kids are getting into college for the fact that they're escaping a bad life. Absolutely. The life that they that they have known for so long that has not run anyone around them any success. And you're telling these black and brown kids, okay, well, in order to even step to my campus, you need to show up with 10 grand. So I agree with you because basically I feel like college should not be as expensive as it is because you're setting yourself up for a life of debt. And to me, that that's not the American dream. Nobody works hard to end up in debt. Right. And I don't think Nobody that that's fair. Nobody works twice as hard, especially as minorities, as black and brown students and just people of color. Like, it is twice as hard for us to walk onto these campuses and demand our respect, demand our education, and also have to pay these crazy prices. And then, for when you go to financial aid, they tell you, oh, there's no scholarships for you. Or, no, you you have to pay all of this money in fees, so that's why your scholarship is short. They come up with all these different reasons as to why you're not getting as much money as you can, but really, they just don't want to give you that information, those resources. Right. But yet, and still, they have the money to make the campus look fancy. They have the new innovation center. For those who don't know, my name is Dejanae. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, 24 years old. Yes, I'm from the land. Um, here is my sister. Thank you for having me on the show, by the way. Um, but I went to Ohio University, OU, oh yeah. Um, it's in Athens, Ohio, and it is a predominantly white institution, a PWI. I wanted to go to Howard University in Washington, D.C. I was going to go for acting. Um, I got into the program, just did, couldn't afford it, unfortunately. And I think that's another issue, that HBCUs are fantastic schools, but they just don't have enough funding to be able to provide for the students that they need. So I have a friend of mine, uh, I'm not going to say her name because I haven't asked her permission just yet, but I have a friend of mine who went to a HBCU and she obtained her master's. And one of the things that she's spoken to me about since um, since I moved here, she feels like certain jobs will not hire her because she got her degree from a black college. Oh. Now, I don't know if that's true or not uh, because I also, on the other hand, I know a, a black man who was interested in dating me who also has a prestigious uh, degree. He has a high level degree and he went to Rice University here in Houston, Texas, and he makes six figures. So okay. it's like he went to a white institution and he has, he's also in computer science. That's how we met. And he does very well for himself, but she's also someone who has a high level degree and she's telling me she can't find a job. So she's like, I don't know if it's because jobs feel that I'm overqualified or is it because I went to a black college and they're telling me no because I went to a black college. Now, that's not something that I feel people talk about either. Right. I would say being a black woman on a predominantly white campus, I can I can hear the conversation. I can hear how 
how people in management are thinking. My major is entrepreneurship and media studies with a background in theater and African-American studies. So for me, I studied every aspect of business. And when you're the only black female in the room, they expect for you to be the odd man out. They already look at you as if you're underqualified. So when we say we have to work twice as far as just to get a fair shot at the table, that is no exaggeration. Like, we really have to work twice as hard. Um, really, I think what that is, is is how black women are reflected in American society when it comes to equal wages. When you look at the charts, a white man is paid more than anyone else. That's it's very true. Women. That's very true. But black yes. women are at a point where we're making more than our men now. And it's like, you know, we already have this disconnect where we raise our children for the most part on our own. Uh, we're least likely to be married. And now we're the breadwinners in our homes. We're the most educated group in America. Shout out to black women. But at what point do we get a break? And I feel like we're not getting the break that we deserve. Yes, we might be making more money, but that's also a problem in the household as well because black men typically don't date black women who make more money than them. So it's like, do we date out or do we downgrade? Do we date down? Because right. we're not dating up if statistically we're the breadwinners. Right. Do you wait? Do you wait longer to get married? Do you wait until later to have a family, or do you do you put those things on hold indefinitely and they never come? Oh, that is a lot and lot of question, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think really. As a black woman, you can only strive for your goals and be content with that, and then the rest will have to come. So your your husband or even your wife, your partner, your partner is going to have to come to you. Your children will come in due time. But as you're reaching your goals, also be humble about that as well, because you don't know when your husband is coming up or when Absolutely. your partner is your wife. You know, sometimes it can be when you're at your lowest point and they're at their highest. It can be when you're at your highest and they're at their lowest that you all are able to come together and really connect. And you you don't know what love looks like. You don't know what what that next phase looks like if you're always rejecting and rejecting all types of situations where there is opportunity there. Take every opportunity and learn from it, even if it's not a good one. Mm, I understand that. I just think that we need a break. You know, we, know. we need the black community in general needs a break. We need, you know, we need to go on a big ass family reunion, like a vacation home. Just go to your somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it's exhausting to always have to. Prove your worth. Yeah. When you know your worth and someone is asking you to prove it, that's disrespectful. It's frustrating and it needs to stop. It does. It does. We are 
the most tried, the most disrespected, the most dehumanized. They, we have been stolen from in so many different ways, shapes, or forms, just as a culture. Well, see, that's well. We got to talk about that on the next episode, as far as cultural appropri- uh, appropriation. You know, Ooh, honey. that I we can go for years with that, honey. So <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about is how black children have their childhood stolen from them. Uh, I think a great example of black children losing their childhood. I'm not even gonna go to Michael Jackson route because we all know his story. Um, I want to talk about Boosie and his son. Okay. Boosie put out something on Instagram earlier this week saying that he hired strippers and whatever for his son. And his son uh, basically um, black the black community I think collectively agrees that his son was molested. And I think that the black community has an issue with celebrating our sons um, being sexualized at an early age and having this fear of our daughters being sexualized, period, no matter what age our daughters are. So to me, that is that that is a bias and it needs to stop because if you're a child, in my opinion, I feel like children should stay in children's places. They should be playing video games, age-appropriate video games. They should be going to school. They should be reading books out loud. That's another thing is the Black community's issue with literacy. You know, why are you excited about your child being sexualized at an early age when that's just going to end up being traumatic? Yeah. You know, shout out to Boosie. We love Boosie, but we also hold people accountable on this channel. You cannot celebrate your son but cry for your daughter over the same damn thing. Right. It's a double standard. Absolutely. It is completely a double standard because guys are always like if you touch my daughter I'll kill you. But no one ever says if you touch my son, if you molest my son then I'm going to kill you. Most men, once they hear that a young boy has lost his virginity or he's even had some type of sexual experience, they're like, oh, you a man now. Good job. Good job. They don't realize the context of how that experience was. Absolutely. And children need to be put into therapy. Black children need need counseling. We're going to say that again. Black children need counseling. Yes. Absolutely. There's no reason for for that type of behavior. It's you know, it's predatory. It is. It's very predatory. And we're gonna call since we're calling out everyone, the the uncle that looks at the Amen. young girl Amen. a problem. The cousin who touches you is a problem. The guy down the street who wants to always walk you home and follow you home is a problem. Absolutely. The guy who touches you when you tell him to stop, even if y'all are on a date, even if that is your boyfriend, even if y'all have been married and you feel uncomfortable in that situation and he continues to go forward, it's a problem. Absolutely. When your dad touches you, when your cousins or anyone in your family is performing incest, 
incest. Right. It's a problem. Yes, I'm going to say the word. I'm going to enunciate it so you understand thoroughly and clearly that it is a problem. And when your child comes forward and says something like that, parents need to believe them. Yes. That's another thing is denial. If yes. Do you know how much courage it takes for a child to come forward to say something like that to their parent or their guardian and then for someone to turn around and say you're a liar? Yeah. It is the most hurtful thing that a child can ever experience because one, they've already gone through something traumatic and you were not there to protect them as a parent. Right. Number two, they are coming to you and telling you this horrible thing has happened to me and I don't know what to do. Third of all, they are looking to you as the parent to be your to be the comforter, to be the protector, to say, you know what, we're gonna go get justice, we're gonna go figure this out, we're gonna crack some skulls if need be, but we're gonna do what it takes because this is not okay. For you right. just to talk around and tell your child, Oh, you're a liar. Oh, I don't believe that. Oh, well, that's family, so we don't talk about that. Oh, Woo! from down the street. So mm. it's okay because he does that with all the girls. Mm. Oh, well, you're just too developed. You're developing too early. Victim blaming. So Victim blaming. So I'm just trying to understand why y'all think that it's okay for the old man down the street, why the man at church, why the cousin, why the neighbor, why the incestual family member. It has to be swept under the rug when it comes to girls. But then when it comes to boys, boys have a, a certain way of saying when something is wrong with them. We as women can pick up on it very clearly. Right. When a boy says, yeah, I think something's going on, but I don't really want to talk about it, that's your time to listen. Quit saying to these kids, oh, well, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. Sometimes your child just don't know how to say how to it, say how to put it in words. How to say it, absolutely. Absolutely. If they, write, if they write it out, then follow that. Read that. Pay attention to them. Quit being all about yourself. Be about your kids. That's the reason you have a child, to focus on them, to love them, to be there for them, because you thought you were going to be a good parent. Now, if you felt that you weren't, then you should have talked some decisions and some options laid out. But stop ruining your kid's life because you too damn immature and you can't handle a real conversation because this is a real life that's being affected. Absolutely. Well, I think that today's segment was informative. I think, yes. I think that I think that on this show we're we're gonna we're not here to expose people, but we're here to expose issues. And we're yeah. here to break the cycle. I think that's the most important yeah. thing is breaking the cycle so that we can get to a better place, not only as individuals, but as a community. And so yeah. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to join me and join us. This is not a show for me. This is for us, for our community to talk about yeah. our problems so that we can get some sort of resolution. So with that being said, y'all, thank y'all for tuning into the Kids Show. I'll catch y'all next time.